Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Ladies and gentlemen, don't gamble with a good time. Just watch Snake Eyes, a surefire, good-ass Nick Cage movie. Uh, I've seen this one before. Uh, I was assigned it, and it worked out for me because I had a really good time. Alex has seen this as well. Uh, big De Palma fan. Parker, is this a first-timer for you? First time for me, and I would just like to disappoint everyone. I'm sorry. I did not get to watch G.I. Joe Snake Eyes. I'm sorry <laughs> to all of my fans. Oh, well. And especially all of the haters and losers. Of which Boy, there are many. There is plenty of time to watch that movie while you're shopping for golden flip phones this week. <laughs> I thought it was fucking bedazzled, dude. <laughs> right, Next be- week's episode. <gasps> I'm in. All right. Well, uh, before we get into that, Parker, do we have any news? Uh, not a lot of movie news. Uh, other than that, everything's pretty normal. Everything's fine. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's wonderful to live in the United States of America. Uh, as wonderful as it is, uh, we still have Jerks of the Week. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Uh, I've got two. One is myself for being so behind on editing. I was busy with a new job. The other is Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut is my jerk of the week for not even eating chestnuts. Instead, he's doing hot dogs. That bothers me. Fucking fraud. I will die <laughs> hating Joey Chestnut. <laughs> Joey oh. Chestnut would never eat hot dogs against a bear. That is a verifiable fact. Yeah, he's afraid of him, actually. He's a coward. Verified because he has, in fact, not done it as a humongous pussy. Yes. Uh, uh, my jerk of the week... Hey, all of you uh, ironic internet teens showing up in droves for minions. Uh, where was this love on Morbius Part 2? What are we doing, yeah. guys? <laughs> where, he was there for us when we needed him most. He, much like the Lord, our Savior, came back from the dead and no one showed up. And now y'all are just like renting little fucking tuxedos from Mint's Warehouse and going to see minions. You failed us all. The kids are not going to help us. The kids are not all right. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> And Alex, right, this so, is also Joey Chestnut. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, no, but uh, um, <laughs> one of the advantages of Chris being behind on editing is that I can use this as my jerk of the week because nobody's going to hear it for three weeks. Uh, so my jerk of the week is that guy that called the Highland Park shooter's mom hot because all I've been able to think about all day is uh, John Cho and that other guy following him around <laughs> for seven years saying MILF until he snapped. God damn it. It's been an oppressive thought in my head, and I just needed other people to know that. Like, it's just inescapable. Great. (laughs) Just on this fucking rooftop peering in the window. (laughs) (laughs) That is a cursed thought. You should should talk to someone that's not us about that. We're not going to help you. 
<laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna edit it so when I say my jerk of the week is uh, Joey Chestnut, I'm just gonna have Alex say me too, and it'll just like cut to the next segment, <laughs> which is uh, what we watched recently. I had to revisit the list. Uh, someone nope, pointed a loaded gun at my head, so. This one is a, it's a little Japanese movie. Some people like to talk about like Japanese horror. You know, the Japanese, they do horror different from us Americans, us Yankees. This horror movie is called Tokyo Gore Police, which uh, probably should have tipped me off what kind of movie this is going to be. It came out, was it like 2008, something like that, and... I remember there was another uh, Japanese movie, a Japanese horror movie of the same sort of genre that I watched at that time uh, called Machine Girl. And I remember it came out after uh, that, uh, was it the, the Robert Rodriguez, uh, Quentin Tarantino pair up, the, uh, the Grindhouse thing with like uh, Death Proof and uh, Planet Terror. Machine Girl, uh, which I I didn't watch. I watched that one years and years and years ago. And it was about a woman who, like, I don't know, she loses her arm and replaces it with, like, chain gun or something like that. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, that's a ripoff of uh, Planet Terror. It's probably good. I watched it in one. Tokyo Gore Police is uh, not tremendously different. It's extremely gory. It's very stupid. Uh, it The basic thing for me is that Tokyo Gore Police really... Yeah looks and feels like it should have been an OVA. And I'm not just saying that because I watched a whole lot of OVAs recently. It, it That's the feel that it has. It, it's kind of like um, uh, Rikio, the story of Ricky. And it, it's not going to appeal to a lot of people because it's extremely gory. It's very, very silly. It's over the top and everything. But you kind of have to come away impressed with it just for the amount of uh, practical effects. Also, apparently they shot this whole thing in two weeks. I mean, that's just insane. So, uh, I'm not saying it's a good movie, but I, I did come away impressed. Now, uh, speaking of coming away impressed, sometimes when people uh, say, hey, you should watch this movie, it sticks to your head, and you're like, oh, what do they know about how I'm going to enjoy this movie? But every once in a while, you come away uh, incredibly impressed, and you watch one of the best movies you're going to watch all year. And uh, that's what happened when I saw Up in the Air. Uh, up in the air. Yeah, there you a, go. Yeah, as it turns out, up in the air, uh, not on the list, so it's not going to be that good. But it was actually uh, spectacular. It is a little hard to talk about because uh, what can you say about a movie that is basically perfect? But uh, I got a couple ideas here. One, uh, fantastically acted. Uh, I'm very, very happy that uh, George Clooney was in it because he was excellent for the role. Uh, Anna Kendrick was very very good in this. Uh, I was I came away very impressed. Vera Farmiga, uh, yeah, J.K. Simmons in there I believe has the best line in the movie. Uh, when all the one of the things that they do in Up in the Air, uh, Parker, have you seen Up in the Air? I have not. Oh, uh, I, I would recommend it. Movie. Oh, I bet. Yeah, uh, she has good taste. Up in the Air is really good. Wow. Like, no, oh yeah, never mind. She likes Parker. <laughs> wow. Now, so <laughs> uh, yeah. The uh, up in the air is uh, how do I put this? Hey, remember the episode of King of the Hill where Dale gets a job at Stick Tech and he ends up just firing people? Well, <laughs> in this in this movie, that's uh, that's George Clooney's entire enterprise, and he just does that. He travels all over the United States to different people, and he fires them because other companies would like to avoid that sort of confrontation. You know, people might get violent and something like that. So his job literally is to go places and fire people. 
And it's an interesting idea. I don't know if this is like a real life venture. I wouldn't be surprised. And it's it's fine for me to just imagine that it was. And it came out in 2009, which is right after like the 2008 financial crisis. So a lot of people were actually losing their jobs here. And one of the things that they do is they actually have real life people who lost their jobs uh, are interviewed for the movie and they're told, treat the movie camera like it's the one that fired you. And you get some pretty good reactions here. Uh, one of the ones that they get is uh, obviously not a real person, but an actor is J.K. Simmons who uh, my favorite line in the movie is what do you want me to tell them and he holds up a picture of his two kids and Anna Kendrick and George Clooney have to think on their feet of uh, what do you tell your kids when you get fired uh, it was, this was directed by uh, Jason Reitman uh, who also wrote it and he said that his father Ivan Reitman who's a famous director in his own right wrote the best line in the movie I wouldn't be surprised if it was J.K. Simmons line uh, there is a moment in the movie in which Anna Kendrick tells uh or demands that george clooney stop being condescending to her to which i'd like to respond he can't that's his entire thing (laughs) (laughs) i I will say that as as condescending as george clooney is in literally everything he's ever done uh even his coffee commercials he's condescending it's just that's just him he's still it's still fine because he can be condescending without sounding like a fucking redditor so yeah, because he's handsome enough. That's yeah. how it works, redditors. Pay I think, attention. Well, you know, it's not just the handsomeness. He also has a certain amount of charisma in his voice. Like he, when he speaks, you actually listen. Also, yeah, he shaves. So that's <laughs> a yeah. Comes with a, a lifetime of being hot. It's yeah. an acquired skill. Yeah, I uh, I came away very very impressed with this. It is funny. I thought the movie was just going to end at a certain point, and I was going to like not like it as much as I did, but. As it turns out, a uh, good ending uh, made me think, and I'm really happy I got to see it. So, Parker, thank you for recommending it to me. Next, oh, so it was, uh, it was it was worth the uh, worth the ISP notice for downloading. I what ISP? Oh, yeah. <laughs> People don't forget. As, as long as they're not fucking following my letterbox, I think it should be good. Uh, I don't think you got to worry about that, buddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, the next one I watched is a Korean movie called uh, Ajoshi, which is uh, Korean for, well, it's, it doesn't actually translate to this at all, The Man from Nowhere. Uh, the Man from Nowhere is a good, certainly not great movie. It, it kind of feels like, uh, it kind of feels like Leon the Professional, but mixed Uh-oh. with like, no, 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 that, the good <laughs> Mixed with uh, the Bourne movies and... Like kind of like John Wickish sort of way, uh, and it doesn't really reach the heights of any of those movies. It's always like, boy, if you pick like one of these to do, this would have been really, really good. Instead, it's just like regular good. But I still have a good time. Basic premise is uh, there is a man who works at a pawn shop who clearly had uh, a past life of some sort, and his next door neighbor, a young girl, uh, gets kidnapped, so he decides he's going to go save her, because that kid's really never had a friend before, and he, he kind of feels bad for her, and uh, so does he, so he goes after him, and he has to uh, John Wick his way into saving her. There is a moment where, I, one of my favorite things when I'm watching a movie is to look at it and be like, well, I don't know how you did that. Where the the main character jumps out of what I believe is like a third story window onto the ground and roll, kind of like the Resident Evil Four jump out the window technique, and the camera follows him through this whole thing, and I don't know how they did that. And when you're watching it, it it's so fast, like you 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 just kind of take it for granted. And I I try not to do that with these things, but boy, looking at that, I was like, this is really good. 
I would actually recommend The Man from Nowhere. I would just say, like, temper your expectations. It's not as good as, like, other Korean movies that I've seen. Uh, it gets a little, I don't know, dramatic at times. It, you know, at times, it definitely reminded me of a K-drama, and not in a good way. But, uh, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a good movie. Uh, now, the next two that I watched. Back in 2011, <laughs> I was working at a movie theater. And uh, two movie. I remember two movies coming out that everyone was hyping up. Like, oh, finally they're coming out with this. Uh, the first one is the Tree of Life, directed by Terrence Malick. Uh, I watched the theatrical cut and not the extended edition because the extended edition is three hours long, and I have shit to do. Uh, I think the Tree of Life has some extraordinary. Uh, moments of uh, not just CGI but just like it just looks good you know it's just I think they hired uh, Doug Trumbull to do some of the special effects in this movie there are moments that like I'm happy I have a good TV just because I got to see moments in, in this movie like it's some stuff that's just incredible so it feels like it's pushing your TV to its limits you know most of the images from space which don't really feel like they have a whole lot to do with the movie it's just Terrence Malick being like, oh, this looks cool, right? You don't like it or anything? I'm like, no, 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 this is cool. Keep doing this. And it does look like those videos they play at the dentist to calm you down before major surgery. But fuck, I'm not complaining. And the rest of it is uh, a young boy growing up in Texas in the 1950s, and Brad Pitt is his dad, and Brad Pitt's kind of an asshole. Uh, his mom is Jessica Chastain, which leads to that kid... Uh, I, that kid's kind of weird, I have to admit. Like, they, there's like an awkward thing. It was like, oh, the kid hates his dad, then he learns to appreciate him, or something like that. There is a moment in that movie. Have you guys seen Tree of Life? No, but it sounds like the kid has bad vibes. He has very bad <laughs> vibes. Extraordinarily uh, bad. I would not invite this kid over to the cookout. This kid, at one point in the movie, he steals his one of his mom's slips. And puts it in the river and floats. At first, when he did that, I'm like, oh, God, no. He's going to beat off, and then he's going to, like, skin people alive, and it's going to be a different movie. <laughs> but as it turns out, this movie is not on the list. Instead, he puts it in a river and floats downstream. It's like, oh, God, this is based on one of like, those indie novels about how I discovered myself. Also, uh, that kid grows up to be Sean Penn, who uh, wanders around a skyscraper for the movie and has nothing to do. <laughs> and, yep. yeah. Bad vibes is a good read. A- apparently, uh, Sean Penn was interviewed and he said that the movie was a complete failure because he wasn't in it more. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Sean Penn, yeah. yeah. Uh, I-, I would recommend uh, not watching the extended edition. Now, I have to admit, having not seen it and me saying, yeah, don't bother, don't waste your time, it kind of sounds like a shitty thing to say. Like, what if that's like secretly better than the one I watched? Apparently, uh, Terrence Malick prefers the theatrical uh, cut. I usually go with the director in these things. And the extended edition is just like, like, apparently they shot like a whole ton of film and this just like adds certain context to things, but uh, you don't really need the extra context. It's, the, the movie you is, tried to tell us you didn't watch it because it was too long and not because Terrence Malick told you to. Oh, nice no, try. Oh, for <laughs> sure, man. It's just, anyway. <laughs> I like that you feel the need to be like, hey, Parker, man, just, you know, don't watch the extended cut of Tree of Life. It's like, damn, okay. <laughs> 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 Now, the other movie that I watched is The Yum Diary, in which Yoda goes to uh, Puerto Rico to buy some weed. Uh, Find me here, the Sith will not. Yeah. So, I, I back in, uh, what was it, 2011, I don't know if I had seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas at that point. 
But I knew of it, and I knew of Hunter Thompson. I don't think I had read anything by it, but I remember when it came up, people were like, oh, finally, they're filming this other uh, Hunter S. Thompson movie. Uh, and half the people were like, oh boy, we get to we get to see Johnny Depp play that wacky role again. And the other half of people were going, oh boy, we get to see Johnny Depp say, where has the rum gone in a movie? And it turns out neither one of those are really accurate. See, the thing about... Um, I don't know if you guys have ever read anything by Hunter S. Thompson, but uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was a true story. He called himself Raul Duke in there just because, uh, I don't know, he was on drugs or some stupid shit. But the stuff in that book actually happened. You know, we have we have the police reports and hotel bills to back it up. Uh, whereas The Rum Diary is mostly fictional. That's, that's just a novel that he wrote in 1960 because he was making very little money as a newspaper man. So he actually, he wanted to supplement his income by writing a novel. And no one published it. Like, he was sending it to all these uh, publishers, and no one was biting until 1998, when the movie version of uh, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas came out. And upon watching the movie, yeah, I can see why that went unpublished. <laughs> it was, uh, it's not even that it's badly written. It's, uh, it's, it's fairly well written. It's just not an interesting story. And I've read Hunter S. Thompson's early work from uh, 1957 to uh, about 1965, some of those years were actually spent in South America, so there is some autobiographical nature in here. But reading his stuff, it's well written, but again, the stories uh, that he's writing are not interesting. There's a lot of stuff in here that I'm just like, I don't know why, as an editor, I would approve this. This is just kind of uh, boring stuff. So I would not recommend The Yum Diary. You know, there's a lot of movies that came out in 2011, and these are the two you picked. Yeah, I don't know why I did this. Many people were saying, Parker. Yeah, they were. It's true. <laughs> Which movie from 2011 is longer? The Extended Cut of Tree of Life or Bridesmaid's Third Act? I stumbled all <laughs> over that, but uh, I'm not going to stop drinking. Yeah, I want to leave that in, actually. So, Absolutely. Uh, I'm not fixing it. Yeah, We the don't other do day, take twos. The other day was uh, 4th of July, and uh, I decided I would celebrate by watching a movie by Tom Hooper. It's not even a movie. It's actually an HBO miniseries called John Adams. I don't know why I said it like that. Like, it's a game show. <laughs> now you got to say it that way every time. Now I do, yeah. <laughs> now? Seven episodes. <laughs> Jesus wept. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's good, though. It's it's actually well done. So uh, It's actually pretty good. I've yeah, seen yeah, yeah. I oh, actually, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I just like being a little stinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, not in a million years would you watch this, but yeah. No, yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's actually, like, really good. Um... I, yeah, I wouldn't actually recommend it for you, Parker. Uh, I mean, there, there's, like, other miniseries that are good. Like, you'd, you'd like Band of Brothers, you'd like uh, Chernobyl, but there is a certain amount of, uh, they're actually dressing like that, they're actually talking like that in the movie that will turn off some viewers. <laughs> also, like, it's just going to go against everything that's in his textbooks. So, like, what's the point? Uh, yeah, also that. You're, Parker, Texas is not actually in the movie, so... <laughs> So why are we... So you won't edit out my joke, but we're also just going to leave in this 30 minutes. It's a blah, 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 guys in wigs. Let me know when the union matters. <laughs> the war of northern aggression. Yeah. Uh, it's well acted. It's well written. It is good. A lot of, I think a lot of people were complaining that Tom Hooper uses uh, too many Dutch angles in this. To which I'd say, who gives a fuck? Come on. just It's a fucking movie. What do you care? Uh, moving on here. Uh, I went to the Alamo Draft House to watch the double feature of Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. 
And I uh, actually recently watched Escape from New York in at the Alamo with uh, with Josh. So uh, I'm just here to say, yeah, it turns out Escape from New York is still good. Nothing has changed. I will say that every single time I watch it, audiences cannot help but laugh at two moments. Uh, one is, and they're connected, one is where uh, the movie obviously came out in 81, and it, it takes place in 1990, the far-flung future of 1997. And it says, 1997, now. And, like, the whole theater just kind of burst out laughing. I was like, okay, I have to admit, it's a little funny. But, like, when I say far-flung future, that's only... 16 years in the future so they don't have like they don't do the stupid shit that so many sci-fi movies do where like like make everything in chrome or, or worse of all there's fucking robots walking around and shit they don't do that it's just like no there's a, there's a the world is too much crime and we turn new york into crime island and uh that's it's just like a, a good way to like say like here's here's what the future could be about which is the that's like science fiction at its best so, what I'm saying is that robots fucking piss me off, dude. If there was a robot in this fucking movie, I would have checked out. Uh, the other part where audiences laugh is there. there's a moment towards the end, towards the climax, where uh, Lee Van Cleef is holding his cell phone to communicate with people on the ground. And the, the cell phone is so big, he has to hold it with two hands. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, like, comically oversized. It looks like a fucking Pee-wee's Playhouse prop. Take me back. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go to Crime Island so bad. Yeah, it, dude. I mean, they, yeah. As it turns out, the movie's just good. What are you gonna do? Now, here's the thing about Escape from LA. I am here to defend this movie. I uh, I think it was. Uh, I haven't seen this movie in I don't know how long, but I have to admit I was a little apprehensive because when I saw it, I was just like, uh, but now watching it, I think I get it. Like I think I understand what they're trying to do. Like, before I go into what sort of allegory Escape from L.A. is trying to communicate, I think... I could be totally wrong. I'm just fucking talking off the top of my head. I've never directed anything. I actually think the movie's basically fine. Like, it's it's certainly not, like, a John Carpenter classic. But watching it right after Escape from New York, it's not a tremendous downgrade in quality. Like, it's still a good movie. I don't watch it. There's not even a, a moment in Escape from L.A. where I'm just like, oh, this is fucking, like, awful, you know? Like... People could talk about the surfing scene with, of all fucking people, Peter Fonda? What, were they friends or something? I don't know. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, it looks silly, it looks dumb, but like, in, in like the, the mid-90s action movie sort of way. Like, I'm having a good time. Like, I remember the scene I hated the first time I watched it was the basketball scene, because it feels like something out of like, like a dream sequence or something where like, oh, I have to make that final shot to save humanity, I just heave it from the other basket miraculously I make it or, or like when you're working out you'd imagine yourself like as Rocky Balboa at the top of the steps you know it's that sort of thing and watching this movie I think I get it now it's because he's it's just, it's just because John Carpenter's a fan of the Warriors you know it's just that's the only and movie. also the Bucks and also the Bucks and also apparently every team except for the Boston Celtics <laughs> every fucking time I see a John Carpenter really sad for my team but yeah. also happy to see what my team does in the future tweet that is completely sincere and unironic it makes me so happy dude the other I was thinking I was so close to doing this I don't think I saw uh any celebratory tweet when uh, the the Warriors won the uh, the NBA championship? If he posted something like "so happy my Golden State Warriors defeated the Boston Celtics in the NBA, in the NBA championship," I was just gonna post the uh, the the box office returns for the thing at him <laughs> get blocked, <laughs> uh, but he didn't do that, and I didn't. So. 
the thing about Escape from L.A. is... I, I, I don't know if it was one of you or if it was... I think it was actually the Red Letter Media thing, where it was uh, Jay Bauman and Rich Evans, and they were talking about their favorite uh, John Carpenter movies. They are putting them all in order from worst to best. And uh, neither one of them liked Escape from L.A. much, but they did say there is a real possibility that this movie is some sort of way of him talking through how much he hates the Hollywood system and that it was kind of made as a bit to be like, see Hollywood, this is you. This is what you do to people. And I get it, and I think that's accurate, but it's not like, uh, oh, I'll show Hollywood. I'll make a bad movie, <laughs> you know? I <laughs> there, there are so many lines in this where you're just like, oh my God. It was so obvious what he was trying to say. Now, that means it's a lot different from Escape from New York because Escape from New York is about... Uh, fascism, it's about, uh, you know, criminality, how we treat things in society and stuff like that. Escape from L.A. is about L.A. It is so very clearly about L.A. Uh, there are certain lines in there that you can't escape from. If you watch it with that sort of thing in mind, where he's criticizing Los Angeles. And also, there's a bit of a loving sort of uh, sense to, like, uh, Los Angeles. There are certain people that he likes in there. Uh where it's just like, yeah, I guess it's uh, the Los Angeles equivalent of this is our fucking city, I guess. Uh, <laughs> because, like, in Escape from New York, you're always, as soon as you get into uh, New York, you are under fire. Like, everyone else is trying to get you. Whereas in Los Angeles, it kind of feels like people are just sort of wandering around. They don't really care that Snake is there. Uh, I also want to shout out some other very good performances. Pam Greer is fantastic. Steve Bishop is great. Bruce Campbell is so fucking good in this. People need to remember just how good he is in this movie. Uh, I, you know what, I'm going to say, I think Escape from L.A. is not a bad movie. I think it's actually pretty good. So, I had a good time, and I'm wondering, maybe it's because I saw it on theater that, again, the same thing happened with Elvis, so maybe all it takes for me to enjoy a movie is to watch it on the big screen. So, looking forward to the movie party for Martyrs. Oh, man, I'll be right there. Yeah, you're oh, not yeah. going to like the props I bring. I promise you. <laughs> I was uh, going to say, it's like, it's, what are the props like a, a barf bag and KY? <laughs> All right, so well, uh, I just want to say from at the horror master, my beloved Dubs are once again NBA champions. This right, is I'm a dynasty. <laughs> I was going to say, I was nearly positive I saw that the night they won. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't see it. I was working. So. I still love my Bucks, but I have to congratulate the Boston Celtics on their win. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, he had to congratulate his Boston Celtics? Oh, never mind. He's a fan. He's part of the bandwagon. I hope he gets a Brady jersey. All right. Uh, Alex, what would you watch? Why would they give him a Brady jersey? Those things are like on clearance up there now, right? No, they're, they're probably more What's he done than recently? jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, continuing my, uh, my re-falling in love with cinema. I was just, like, on the couch for, like, an hour and a half while White Chicks was on, so, uh... <laughs> um, <laughs> it just happened to be on. It just fell Look, onto my TV. Hey, quite literally, I walked in the door. She was ten minutes into it. She's like, I can change this if you want. I was like, eh, I don't care. And just, like, sat on the couch and, like, dicked around on my phone while it was on in the background. That counts. But, uh, it, it does. It counts. Yeah. It means I cannot be assigned this movie. Right. And also, let me just say that easily the most realistic scene in this entire movie is the one where the Wayans brothers are in the car with all the white girls and a rap song comes on and they say it and all the white girls are like oh my god you can't say that that's a bad word and then they're like 
yeah, but nobody's around. And then the next scene is all of the white girls also saying it. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know what? You guys fucking nailed that one. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, how white we chicks. used to enjoy Nick Cage. Oh, That's how I feel about uh, Terry Crews and White Chicks. That was, like, that was a good time. Yeah. That was a really good time back then. It is a great bit part to yes. have him in that role. Yeah. Like that that's honestly like the the most effusive praise I can lay on this movie is like the Terry Crews like in that part in this movie is fantastic. I've Everything else about this movie, like eh, it's fine. Yeah, I've never seen it. that movie all the way through, but I watch that scene on YouTube like at least once a month. It's so good. <laughs> That's just A-plus casting right there. Like, yeah. you literally cannot do better than that. <laughs> Did you uh, watch anything else? Uh, I do have one more thing to talk about, and I worry that this is a conversation that may step on some toes. But here goes. So I watched a movie this week called Existence, with a Z, which is uh, a late 90s movie about a, uh, a video game designer who gets stuck inside her own video game and Jude Law has to help get her out. Directed by David Cronenberg. So... I'm just gonna come out and say it. This is like the fourth Cronenberg movie that I've seen now, and each one has been substantially worse than the last. And it's entirely because it's like, oh fuck, I'm watching the same movie all over again. Like, this is a movie about, you know... Basically, the plot of this movie is, like, very similar to Inception, in that there are, like, layers to the game, and the game's super realistic, and, like, you don't know what layer you're in, and oh my god, are we still in the game right now, or are we not? Which, like, you know, cool premise, but, like, I don't really understand what putting buttholes on people's backs and having, like, their virtual reality devices be, like, these little fleshy ball sacks that, like, move around while they're in there actually does for this movie. Like, I get it, like, the body horror thing is your thing, but, like... If all of your shit is going to be like, hey, let me do this, like, really gross-looking photorealistic thing, and then the message is, well, this says a lot about society, like, you know, I'm good. I don't think I need this. And, like, I've always had, like, an idea in my head about Cronenberg, that, like, Cronenberg movies were, like, you know, oh, the, the you know, there's only so many of these, I should save them, like, I really want to appreciate them, because nobody makes movies like this. And I'm like, as I see more and more, I'm just like, yeah, no wonder no one makes movies like this. This isn't actually that interesting. I And I'm sure that you guys probably disagree with that, but I just, I think I just don't get it. Like, oh, well, I have not seen a lot of Cronenberg. Like, I have. Definitely single digits. Uh, I've seen a, a lot of Cronenberg, which should really come as no surprise because it's, you know, uh, the list and stuff. But Existence is not on the list, so safe at home plate. Uh, most of his stuff, I, I've seen like his early body horror stuff, which is really just impressive because he was like not established at all. It was somehow figuring out a way to do it. Uh, but there was a point in time in which he was basically on top of the world. You know, I mean, he was doing fucking Dead Ringers, Videodrome, The Fly. Uh, those are all great. Excuse me. <coughs> wow. Sorry. Leave um, it in. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> But Existence, I haven't even fucking heard of. Isn't it the one that's spelled stupid? It's got, like, a capital X? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's spelled real dumb. And yeah. it's a 90s movie that is ostensibly about virtual reality and video games. So if so you're gonna, like, yeah, this will be fun. Yeah, just watch a lot yeah. more, man, instead. 
Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, not surprising yeah. that he put a fucking buckle in. I mean, that guy cannot make a movie without a little bit of body horror. The only time he's ever tried to resist it was A History of Violence. And even then, there were one of the, was it Ed Harris has like some fucked up face or something. Yeah, uh, shan't be watching it. So, I, I mean, like, it's a fine movie. Like, Jude Law's pretty good in it. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's the, the other lead, and she's also good in it. Like, there are things to be said about, you know, making a movie that's, like, about, you know, letting technology take over your life. But also, like, that's, like, half of his movies. Like, yeah. this is not one of the better ones. It is... I guess if this is your thing, you'll enjoy it. But I just, like... And it's weird, because, like, it's not like I'm sitting here saying, like, oh, that's gross, I don't like looking at it. Like, I'm not bothered by this shit. Right. It's just, like, I almost feel kind about Cronenberg the way I feel about Ari Aster now. It's like, oh, yep, he's doing that again. Oh, yep, here's this bit again. All right, you got one more of these in you, and then we're gonna have a big message, and then we're done here. Okay, cool, whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't expecting that to be my takeaway from this, but I'm not sure if I'm gonna be watching another one of his movies. So. Man, I've only seen three of them. That seems wrong. I should get on that. Like, there's a bunch I want to watch, but uh, yeah, I haven't found the time to be like, hey, babe, sit down. We're going to watch Eastern Promises together. <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for good reason. Like, like, I don't think he's, like a, like, bad at making movies or anything. It's just, I think, I think I'm just a person who's just, like, very affected by shtick and like it feels like shtick to me i don't know anyway you're on, you're on the wrong um, podcast right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know i am well aware trust me and, and i'm sure there's at least like one or two people listening to this right now that thinks i'm like the biggest fucking idiot on the planet and i'm good with that I, like, wait is there really some guy out there who's just like a hardcore fan of existence or something <laughs> no i mean there I, I know there's a lot of people or is this like, like a really give a shit about movies yeah, that like, really right. like david cronenberg yeah and so like somebody coming in and being like yeah these are kind of dumb like i i would understand if somebody was like oh fuck you buddy like maybe you should watch 10 more of them like i do. well i can't but, really speak you know, for uh, david cronenberg yeah. fans because I, I wouldn't really consider myself one but i have a feeling like existence would be the one where it'd be like hey, <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. i don't know this has like a 6.8 on imdb <laughs> like it's shockingly high but um yeah anyway i'm not going to belabor this point anymore uh i don't think i watched anything else this week so parker you go and take the ball Alright, well, speaking of uh, one of Nick Cage's last hurrahs before we all got way too self-aware and he was in on the joke. Uh-oh. <laughs> I have not seen Lord of War since I watched that on a 700 megabyte AVI on my Oh boy, laptop. those are the days. <laughs> <laughs> what a... Let me put it this way. I haven't seen it in so long that I forgot Jared Leto was his brother because I didn't know who Jared Leto was back then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, better days. I had no frame of reference for the guy. Uh, it's not great as... because it's one of, it's, it's one of the few movies where Jared Leto is regular. Yes, he's incredibly normal, just getting hooked on every single possible drug in the world and then disappearing for an hour. Uh, not as good as I remembered it being, but I think a lot of what carried it back then was like, no, no, guys, look, like he's in a good movie. See, like he's he can be good. Remember? And then a year later, The Wicker Man came out, and that was fucking all she wrote there. That was a. Uh, the end of this run. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, solid, pretty good time. I was happy to see he was just sitting there on HBO waiting for me with open arms. Like a solid three, three and a half stars. I enjoyed it. That's good. But, uh, 
Let me talk to you about why uh, Discovery Plus is my absolute favorite streaming service. Oh, please do. Because, uh, well, she was using it to watch, you know, absolute garbage. And then I did the same. When I opened it up, it was like, hey, do you want to watch Ghost Adventures colon House Calls? To which I yelled, <laughs> do what now? Hit play. <laughs> you see, uh, it's hard to film ghost hunting shows with COVID protocols. So in this show, just regular folks like you and I, who just happen to live in a haunted environment, reach out to the Ghost Adventures crew. And then Zach Baggins sends the B-team, and then he just like pipes in every ten minutes on a Zoom call like, Well, I'm getting some crazy readings, you guys. Be safe out there. <laughs> There's only like eight episodes, I think. But let me tell you, when the first thing I see is like, Oh! A house in Jacksonville that's haunted. Let me just fucking run straight to this. And you find out 10 minutes in, like, oh no, clearly everyone involved just had, like, undiagnosed mental illness. But it was Florida in the 1950s, so now it's just, oh, a demon infected our grandpa and now he's haunting us. What's that? Your shell-shocked grandpa who lived in Tallahassee went to a manic rage? Must be a demon. Send out Zach Baggins' bald friend to help record it. Uh, this might surprise you guys. It's not very good. Con- shocked. Sending, sending everyone that's not memorable from that show out and then having him just sit on a fucking Skype call and be like, Wow, is that what the readings say? You guys should be careful. And then it ending with, Wow. There really is something here. You guys should probably move. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, turns out they're not, like, exorcists. They just show up and confirm, like, yeah, there's something pretty fucked up going on here. And then they leave. And then it goes to the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let me just give you another reason why Discovery Plus is the best. Which is, of course, now this is in my feed. So now this is going to alter my algorithm, right? So I scroll. It's like, hey, recommended for you. Would you like to watch a movie where Ozzy Osbourne's son and Jason Mewes go out to search for Sasquatch? So that, that will be coming next week because, Great. oh my fucking god. <laughs> All right. I don't know how that exists, how those two interacted, had this idea together, but I'm excited. I hope they find him. I mean, that's... They're probably keeping it under wraps for the big reveal at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm not a huge YouTube guy. There's a couple people I follow, but for the most part, it's just whatever the front page pushes me. Mm-hmm. But if there's one thing I respect, it's committing to a bit. It's having an idea, looking at it logistically, playing it out and realizing, like, not only is this not as funny as it sounds in my head, but it's going to take a lot of time and probably cost a lot of money. And then just doing it for the content. And that is why I would like to speak about a 36-minute video uploaded by one Eddie Burback entitled, I Ate at Every Rainforest Cafe in the Country. <laughs> <laughs> one of the most incredible bits I've ever seen play out in my entire life. Because that is a conversation we would all have. And then you would realize how long it would take and be like, that would be really funny if we did that though. 18 cafes in 21 days, all driving, which means his entire life for almost a month was sleep, 
driving and eating at a rainforest cafe. That is a commitment I will never have. The truck, by the way, doing this in a truck like two months ago, where gas is just like $5 a gallon everywhere because they started in California. Driving cross country, breaking down twice. After the first time my car broke down, I would take it as a sign from God, like, this is a stupid fucking bit, let's go home. Yeah. No, no, no. 21 days. Imagine what that does to your psyche when you're on, like, day 15 and you're sitting in there eating the same fucking burger and the thunderstorm goes off again while that gorilla is staring at you. That will break you. That is unpalatable. You could not do that to a human being. He wasn't eating There's the same a, food, was he? Was, didn't he get, like, different things? I mean, their menu ain't that big, man. I don't know. I've never been to one. <laughs> oh, don't worry. He that gives you a rundown. So, that guy's got to have so many obligatory souvenir cups. Right. <laughs> the look of horror on his face at, at, like, restaurant, like, 15, where he sees that the one they're at has a $40 steak. And he realizes he has to do it just to say he did. Right. At one point, uh, as they're heading towards the northeast, the car breaks down. Like, it hits a huge pothole. Tow truck comes. And it's him and his friend driving. And the tow truck comes, they're like, hey, there's only room for one of you. So his friend is getting towed off, and you're just watching a man standing in the middle of Delaware at night in the rain <laughs> as the tow truck drives away into the distance knowing that he, you have to Uber somewhere sleep and then wake up extra early so you can go get the car back just to drive another couple hours to another rainforest cafe that is one of the most insane bit commitments i've ever seen in my life i, I how many subscribers does this guy have was this profitable did he make a lot of money off this youtube video because it feels I like mean, he's, just a lo- a he's already almost at budget. two million views so it must be paying uh, off. i guess yeah i've fucking went to every rainforest cafe i don't know why that resonates with me i've never been to one imagine to one of the very last ones they went to was the one in new jersey so imagine doing day after day after day. You drive all fucking day long, and you get there, and even the people that work there are like, no, this is the worst fucking one. This one's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> imagine a rainforest cafe knowing, like, oh, yes, yeah, so it is well established. This rainforest cafe, above all others, is terrible. What is that life like? Apparently that's, the, does... that's the one that's closest <laughs> to me. <laughs> well... I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> My teams go O and A, and that's where I have to be. <laughs> that's. I mean, there's one. You in laugh, Dallas. but there, there's you one laugh, in Dallas. You're, you're, go, you're going to the virtual pyramid, buddy. It's oh. gonna happen. <laughs> I would go I'm to just, that. I wouldn't mind going. I know you would. So would I. <laughs> I'm in driving distance of the King Tut thing, and also a rainforest cafe. So we can we can discuss this as we get to the preseason. Dude, I'm looking at former locations for uh, rainforest cafe. First of all, there used to be one in Tyson's Quarter, which is like right by me. Thirteen years ago, it closed down. Son of a bitch. There was also one in Cairo, Egypt. Oh, hell yeah, dude! dude if that's machine. if that's not in the fucking game of games, where it's like you take a you take two lefts and a right in the in the pyramid, you end up at the rainforest cafe within the, the pyramid. Truly, the worst part of the video for me personally was that he gets to the one in San Antonio and learns like, oh, there's a rainforest cafe that's just on the river walk, and me just looking at it like. I'm going to go to this before I die. I, I've yeah. accepted this as fact. I'm going to drive four hours to go to the Riverwalk Rainforest Cafe and listen to the thunderstorms. Man, you got Dude, two, I cannot tell you how worth three. it is to do once. 
having done it exactly once in my life, it's so good. I, I'm really considering it. Uh, so, yeah, best thing I watched all week. Incredible commitment to a bit that I would have yes, given Chris, up on. Yes, I also hear oh, okay. that. <laughs> what uh, was it? Parker, your, uh, your, your Wi-Fi was kind of... The fucking robots some, again, Parker. Yeah, oh, beans. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. It's okay. Yeah, you're back. Now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, all I was just uh, saying was just incredible bit commitment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, Chris, you know where I'm going with this. Oh boy. About a year or two ago, you might remember. I just went balls oh, deep into the Harry Potter franchise. <laughs> I was alone on this journey. Uh, my lovely partner watched one of them and went. I'm not fucking watching these. I don't care. And I went, understandable. And I went and watched them at a friend's house. As you may know, um, this franchise will never go away. People will continue to watch it forever. And as younger and younger people get hired, you get on more and more people who have lived with it their entire lives and are obsessed with it, which means you cannot escape it. And she has finally thrown her hands up and said, Fuck this, I'm tired of not knowing what any of this means. Let's watch these. So. Voice. I really hope I'm not talking to a fucking wall. No, you're good. I was just... <laughs> okay. Was letting I you was, build suspense. Yeah. I was just making sure, because like, if I have to redo all that, I'm going to be very upset. Oh, no, 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 no. You're good, you're good. So, in this last week, we have watched 2, 3, 4, and 5... What the fuck? Let me tell you. We got to... Look, Chamber of Secrets. I've had this conversation, I think, three times in my life. And every time I'm like, Alright, like this one sucks, whatever, we'll put it on. And then I hit play, I'm like, How the fuck is this two hours and 40 minutes? How does this keep happening? This isn't the extended one. This is the base-ass version of a book that you can read in an afternoon. How yeah, is this the like longest 300 movie? pages. It's the How longest the movie they do that? in the fucking series. It drives me insane. It also cuts I out a major scene from like the this. book, and it's it's still too long. It's so... We got to the third one, and I told her straight up, like, look, if you don't get anything out of this, you might as well just stop now. Because, like... And you're, you like, kind of, like, movie, making that thing with your face, you're like, please stop now. <laughs> pretty much. It's like, look, I've seen all I, these... Eh. The this third one's, one's pretty good. I enjoy it still. Like this one's made by a real director. If exactly. You, if you don't enjoy this one, we do not need to watch five more. It is fine. Right, you yeah, can read the Wikipedia's. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, boy, it's still insane to me how you get to the fourth one. You're like, okay, things are gonna start popping off, and then it just feels like it's missing like an entire movie. Right. Which yeah. we watched two days after watching the second one, which felt like. This is six hours long. How am I still here? How have I watched an entire movie and we're not even into the fucking chamber of secrets? <laughs> and then you get to the fourth one. It's like, oh, we're at the Quarters World Cup. All right, that was a great game. Let's do this. Oh, shit, this is happening. Okay, and we're just moving, 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 and the movie's over. You're like, I don't know what the fuck any of this was. It was exciting. Well, not exciting. It was interesting to see her perspective as uh, someone seeing it now and seeing who plays one Cedric Diggory. <laughs> the only person in history to be like, oh wow, the Twilight and Batman guy's in this. I bet he's going to be a big character. Not realizing he has approximately an hour and a half before he brutally dies. Which I think we've, we all know should have been Ron. Like, there's no need to introduce that character. Right, Does yeah. nothing for anyone. No one cares. And the fifth one, boy. 
boy, boy, boy. I hate that book. I hate it so fucking much. I fucking hate the Order of the Phoenix so fucking much, you guys. <laughs> that book sucks a dog's ass. He is a whiny baby the entire time. But the problem is, uh, you know, we've been together a while, so my poison brain has infected hers. And at this point, like, I mean, we're almost done. You might as well see it through, right? Like, why, right, why yeah. did you just stop after five of them? I mean, it's like three more movies. <laughs> what are Babe, we doing? is this like that so, guy who watches those movies from the list? <laughs> <laughs> and, but, like, I totally understand, like, her just finally throwing her hands up and watching it. Like, we're, we're doing it with Twilight now. Like, I did right, it yeah, last year and we're doing yeah. it again. Like, yeah. I understand, like, you keep getting older and more and more people get hired. Like, because our age, like, we read them as they were coming out. We were fucking, like, anticipating the next one. People getting hired now, they just, like, one day they discovered it, and then they just read the entire series in a month, and they've just lived with that, rereading them and rewatching them over and over. So it's never going away. So I totally get her wanting to just hop in, but now she doesn't understand that. Like, I'm going to have to tell her what the cursed child is, and I'm going to have to explain that. No, Time Turners are back. And also, there are these fantastic beasts, and Dumbledore has many crimes and secrets. And this is never going to end. I don't think she understands the road she's going down. Our fat you know, over to England to watch a play. <laughs> if one of these like unkillable IPs is to die, it's going to be this one. Uh, yeah. yeah so, well, I mean, if nobody's watching the shit they're putting out now, like, is there an audience for this? Does anybody want more of this? Like, really? Didn't like a. It seems the, like all the. Sorry, God. It's, it seems like all the fucking people that were this obsessed now have three kids named Severus and Lupin, and, like, <laughs> they don't have the fucking time for this shit anymore. Like. I, I, al- I almost feel bad watching her go through all of this, like, giving it a fair shot. I wouldn't say she loves it, but, like, she's definitely, from three on, when they become, like, competent movies, like is enjoying it i'm filling in like well they cut this for that explains that don't worry about it there's no need to read these but knowing in my heart of hearts that this eight movie journey will end with albus severus potter (laughs) i almost feel bad i almost almost feel bad yeah well tune in for next week when you make her watch (laughs) game of thrones Oh, she's the one that watched it, not me. Oh, <laughs> she is really? still mad. Yeah. She yeah. is still mad that she got tricked into it. <laughs> that also, because she's watching the fourth one, is like, I spent seasons of that show waiting for these fucking dragons. Why did they look worse than this one in this movie that came out in, like, 2004? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it do be like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have a particular fondness for most of these movies, like... I think I've said multiple times, like, if I could have just stopped reading after Goblet of Fire, I probably would have been fine. I probably should have in retrospect. But watching someone come into it completely fresh, much like we did with, you know, Dragon Ball Z, watching her just ask these questions like, wait, so, like, are the elves slaves? And just laughing. It's like, yes, and don't worry. Nothing is ever done about them. Don't worry, this movie cuts out the subplot where a character tries to stand up for their rights and they all bully her mercilessly for it and then she gives up on it. Really enjoying that. Enjoyed her seeing the banker goblins for the first time. The horror on her face. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always interesting to watch someone experience like a big cultural touchstone for the first time. Much like she was sitting there rubbing her hands like Birdman as I watched Twilight unfold in the imprinting. Like, it's fun. It's fun to watch someone just 
experience this huge phenomenon, but also that's eight goddamn movies, man. It's it so, fucking long. Wait, so Every, I was gonna watch another one before this one. I was like two and a half. Like that's, I'm not watching that. Wait, so her parents were like. You know, they're not allowing her to, I don't know, the oh, two Christian. super Christian. But they let her um, watch Twilight? I mean, she eventually... What, she I was going to say, like, what is what is their stance on Van Helsing? Is uh, that allowed? <laughs> it should have been. He's Christian. I mean, he movie. hates the monsters, so yeah. <laughs> I just want to live! <laughs> no Harry Potter, no Pokemon. No Harry like Potter. Absolutely. No Pokemon! <laughs> I mean, like, for years I've been like, look, if you ever want to do this, we, I'm up for any movie franchise because I have Poison Brain, but I'm not going to make you watch any of these. Right, yeah. It almost, I kept saying, like, there's no point starting out. Like, this shit's over. Like, she is writing herself out of this franchise existing ever again. Like, oh, you're yeah. fine. These Fantastic Beast movies make Couldn't less and less money to. every time. Like, I think we're safe. You don't need to dive in. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she's a trooper. Yeah. I, might... I mean, I'm in the same boat because they announced that fucking Hunger Games prequel, and I'm just staring like, do I need to actually watch these, or can I just continue? I, I have because I've a made it this yeah. far. Yeah, I have a feeling it doesn't really. Work I've out. never seen a frame of them. I, th- I feel like I'm safe. You, you're good. Yeah. You're good. You, I mean, you've I seen Battle Royale, right. right? I think so. Yeah. That seems like something I would watch. In yeah, high you, yeah. It's also on the list. But again, so. but again, the flip side is if one of you called me and said, "Hey, I'm watching all four Hunger Games. Do you want to get some pizza?" I would yeah, right, teleport yeah. there. Yeah. And that would be my entire <laughs> I mean, day. Yeah, of course. But that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's different. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to spending more time at Hogwarts and then watching her face as she's like, "How long are we going to spend in this forest as I cackle and eat more pizza?" No, <laughs> that's the entire movie. <laughs> and then watching her realize, like, wait. This is the last one. What do you mean these are the things they have to find? And so I just laugh like, yeah, it's pretty fucking dumb, huh? You waited this whole time. Hey, what do you think is going to happen to the characters after this movie? Just kidding. Keep watching. It's, it's good. She gets to experience that epilogue without knowing how how much it makes me just distrust the entire literary device of an epilogue. To this day, I have a violent reaction if a movie has a or a book has a fucking epilogue. All because of one J.K. Rowling. Love to see it. That's it for me. I had to watch four goddamn Harry Potters in like three days. <laughs> in case you're wondering, yes, I did fall asleep during Order of the Phoenix. Why do you ask? <laughs> I took a big nap. Hey, uh, Parker, we, I wasn't able to hear you for most of that, so could you start over? Nope. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the only question I had is, uh, you said you watched 2, 3, 4, and 5. Was this just like a week thing and you, uh, you already watched like one last week or something? Uh, a couple weeks back we had friends over and no one could pick what to watch. And then we all realized that she was the one who hadn't seen it and everyone else had. And I was like, well, she, no one made a choice. <laughs> We're putting this on. The party stops with your record scratch, everyone's staring at her. <laughs> You start chanting something. I mean, I gave her around, put her on the couch, because <laughs> she'd been expressing like, "I kind of want to watch these." I'm like, "Are you fucking sure?" Because that's a commitment. And then you know, no one wanted to take the remote. No one made a choice, so I made the choice. That's yeah. where cowardice gets you. Yes, yeah. It was on the homepage. Y'all had two hours to say, "Put something else on." Yeah, you made me do this. Also, it helps because that first one, it's like. You just read the fucking spark notes for that. Yeah. These are the characters. This is where they go. So, you know, if you're not 10 years old, the proper way to watch that a is a room full of people who are already drunk yeah. from earlier. It's yeah. like, it was basically two hours and us going like, hey, 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 
This part's important. Okay, back to our conversation. <laughs> and that's the right way to take that movie in. Yeah, that's how I like to watch movies. This is when people snap at their fingers at me and be like, stop looking at your phone. <laughs> All right. I mean... Let's When's the last time you watched Sorcerer's Stone, my man? God damn, that I, movie is... I, I don't like those oh boy. I, I don't I, Exactly. Yeah, I don't like the Harry Potter movies. Like, That's even the ones that are basically well-constructed, I don't know, I, I just I, I just prefer the books. I like two and a half of them, I think. I thought you were just going to say, I like two. <laughs> no. Chambers. What's the half, yeah. is the question. Yeah, right, yeah. I don't... I don't know. Is there a movie with a new scene in it or something? That's it's just happened. cumulative. It's like one scene. For yeah, the, I was like, going to say, they all kind of like add up, you know? <laughs> it's just the scene where what? Hermione punches Draco Malfoy in the face. <laughs> like, I legitimately enjoy three, and everything after that is like, that yeah, was fine. Yeah. It's just literally the one franchise on Earth where I get to cross my arms and go, well, the book fleshed this out much better. And then I get my fucking underwear pulled into my butt crack. Yeah. Doesn't it feel nerd. good, though? Yeah, it doesn't feel doesn't good, it feel good to be something? a book cuck? It does feel good. Yeah. Just to be like, well, you know, they cut out this whole subplot. And then someone goes, yeah, because it fucking sucked. And you're like, oh, yeah, everyone read this. They called my bluff. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they already knew that. <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, so Wait, much I for I thought I could one-up this guy with the Deathly Hollows tattoo. <laughs> Alright, uh, are we good to talk about the, the Snake Eyes? Absolutely. Okay. I think so, Alright, yeah. Snake Eyes. <laughs> I just want to say something to all the people out there who are big Nick Cage meme lords and stuff. And they're just like, oh, that wacky guy. He's always overacting and shit. I hate to be a gatekeeper, but I have to gatekeep Nick Cage. You don't get to call yourself a fan of him. Unless you've seen Snake Eyes, alright? If you haven't seen Snake Eyes, you're not familiar with this man's work. You're not familiar with the tremendous amount of talent that he has. Uh, and mostly this comes across in the opening scene. In fact, I didn't take any notes on this movie, because uh, one, I've already seen it, and two, I uh, didn't feel like it. But, boy, that opening scene, I think that's going to stick with me more than like so many other movies. Like, There's so many movies that do long shots, right? So many ones that are well-known. The two most well-known ones are... Uh, Goodfellas, the Copacabana scene. It's a great scene. And uh, the other one is the opening of Touch of Evil. Like a three and a half minute unbroken shot on the streets of Mexico. It's another great scene. There are other movies that sort of, uh, they try to do it for the entire movie. Rope, like, almost does it. And obviously One Cut of the Dead does a really good job of it. Uh, the long shots in this movie, they're basically like the, the scene of that guy jumping out of the third story window and Man from Nowhere. I don't know how they did a lot of this. I mean, it takes so much uh, talent, and not just from Nick Cage, but from all the actors, but especially from the director, Brian De Palma, who, honestly, I feel like not enough people talk about. Uh, Alex, obviously, you're not included in there. But, like, I, I mean, people talk about a lot of De Palma movies, you know? People talk about Blow and uh, Carrie, and they talk about a lot of his movies, but Snake Eyes, it, it feels like if you just watch the opening of Snake Eyes, you're just like... Fuck, did anyone remember that Brian De Palma is good at this? Because it's it's so well done. And yeah, alright, fine, Nick Cage is overacting, whatever. He's so good in this, I just want to follow this character around, and I get to do that for this movie. What am I going to complain about? Like, like every single thing where he's like, he's he's basically, remember the scene in fucking Kiss of Death where he's just pogoing in the fucking uh, strip clubs? <laughs> and, oh, my father died! That's his performance for this entire movie. It, what am I gonna complain? What you, what's the problem yeah, it, here? It's so good. 
And it's it's more than that too, because like in this movie especially, like he's playing a coked out Atlantic City cop. Yeah. Like if you played it more straight than this, it would be bad and wrong. Yeah. Like it has to be this turned yeah. on. And this is like one of the things, like everything about this opening shot, which goes on for what feels like fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. like but in a good way, it's unbelievably technically precise, but also it's like amazingly done characterization. Oh yeah. Like we're just, like, watching this dude do things while a camera follows him, and we know everything about yeah. him. Yeah. Like, instantly. And not just about him, it's... about, like, his environment, you know? The people around him. It's like, this is how this works. He's going to go over here. This is where... You're also learning the layout of the building. You're, you're learning where someone could get away with something, or they would go over here, do this, that, the other thing. And also, like, just, just the sleaziness of Atlantic City, which I've never been to, but uh, now I... Dude, Atlantic City is, like... So much dumpier than it is in your head. It's uh, do they have a rainforest cafe? Uh, they probably can't afford. Oh. <laughs> Are you just dumping on Atlantic class City? up the joint? <laughs> Are you dumping on Atlantic City because it's like a casino rivalry or something like that? <laughs> Trust me, there's no rivalry. No one goes to Atlantic City anymore. It is a shithole. Yeah, there, I think there's a point in time where people used to go there, but I I don't know. I don't really follow. Oh yeah. And stuff, so. Yeah, there there was once upon a time when you couldn't really gamble anywhere else in the East Coast other than Indian reservations, mm-hmm. and like at that point, Atlantic City was in its quote unquote heyday. In which case, it's still in Jersey. Yeah, well, so yeah, you know. good point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can we just get this out of the way now? Uh, how raise your hand if you just thought they were calling him Rick Santorum the entire time? Did, Hands well, up. First time, first time <laughs> I did. But after they said Santoro, I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I had the subtitles on, and also I've seen this before, so I knew, but also, like, every time it's like, yeah. oh, you're Rick Santorum. I'm yeah. like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Better mo- uh, yeah. Anyway, he's not the uh, only... He's, <laughs> you know, <either> way. <laughs> he's not the only character in this uh, movie. Uh, we also have Gary Sinise, who... This, this movie came out, like, uh, I think four years after uh, Forrest Gump, for which I, I'm pretty sure Gary Sinise won the Academy Award for Best Supporting. So, uh... Unfortunately, Sneeze didn't really do anything with that. <laughs> he didn't really make a, a whole lot of great movies, but this is one of them. And uh, I do think Sneeze is really, really good in this. Uh, he plays Kevin Dunn, who is uh, commander of some Department of Defense or something. I don't fucking know. Not to be confused with the actor Kevin Dunn, who was also in this well, movie. Well, unfortunately... <laughs> fucking crazy. Dude, so here's God. the thing. Yes, to be confused. That not that like it was intentional, but that actually <laughs> happened on set. Someone would say, "Kevin Dunn, you're needed for this scene," and they would both walk forward. This okay. So apparently, true story here. According to Kevin Dunn, uh, the actor is uh, when he got to uh, filming locations, he was put out in this beautiful like hotel suite at the very top of this like all these. Wonderful snacks and drinks and everything, beautiful view and everything. I was like, wow, jeez, maybe my part's really big. And you watch the movie, you watch it, you're like, no. Turns out they mixed it up. Uh, it turns out it was supposed to be uh, for uh, for Gary Sinise, and he had to leave the hotel. <laughs> I would not, by the way. I'd be like, no, no, no. Now it's it's mine. <laughs> you have to have a trip. I was here first. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I already peed on everything. <laughs> you, like, you, you you hank- have to get some deep cleaners in here. <laughs> you handcuff yourself to the to the bed. <laughs> like that lady one. that handcuffed herself to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you have to oh, film man. the rest of the scenes here now. I don't make the rules. <laughs> anyway. Um... 
Yeah, so the basic thing that happens is this is all for one main boxing event. And by the way, I don't I don't like boxing. I think boxing is just it's just not for me. It's whatever. If other people like it, whatever. This opening scene makes me think boxing's really cool. That's how that's how good this opening scene is. Uh, anyway, they're watching the boxing match. Gary Sinise is like, uh, check out that uh, woman over there in the red. Don't you think that's suspicious? And he goes over there to check out this woman in the red. And then there's, uh, I believe, a knockout of some sort. A shot is fired, and they kill off. Uh, was it the head of the DOD or something? I think it's de- oh defense the yeah defense, the second yeah. yeah uh and they kill off that guy it's right next to um to Rick Santoro and uh <laughs> and ev- <Same>. yeah <laughs> it's just and he has to investigate what happened here now Gary Sinise is beside himself because he personally requested uh to be in charge of the sectef's uh responsibility for the uh uh for, for the defense of the Secretary of Defense. And uh, and this murder happened on his watch, to, to which Rick Santoro responds, uh, no, you didn't do anything wrong. You were investigating a suspicious figure. And Gary Sinise is just like, oh, you're just trying to get me out of this because you're a crooked cop, blah, 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 blah. And the more I'm listening to this, it's just like, Actually, he's kind of. I, I, I kind of feel like Rick Santoro is correct here. I just. I, I think he's. Uh, his excuses are actually kind of good. You know, he wouldn't go after this woman. He. I mean, based on the character of uh, that Gary Sinise is playing, he wouldn't go after this woman in the red to flirt with her. He was suspicious. It was just like this woman is very pretty and she's sitting by herself. What's up with that? And uh, to which he's kind of making. Uh, his character's oh you're a dirty cop stuff like that. I'm like yeah, but not right now. He's not. And. For all the stuff about him being a coked up Atlantic City cop and stuff, it, it almost feels like he sobers up really quick, uh, and he actually starts investigating this. And I love it because this is the guy I want to follow around. I don't, I don't need to follow. I don't need to follow around fucking Ed O'Neill and Dragnet or whatever. I, I want a guy who's going to have some energy, you know. And uh, a good example of this is when he goes to the um, the boxer, uh, the guy who was supposed to win. He goes to the boxer's hotel room to confirm. Was like, what was going on with this? And it's it's so fast paced. It, it feels like his girl Friday level dialogue here. Sorry if I'm talking too much. Uh, <laughs> we uh <laughs> we do need to back Uh-oh. up very uh, slightly uh, because I believe Parker and I need to talk about. Uh, what his reaction was to seeing who the drug dealer is that Nick Cage is chasing in the opening scene. <laughs> Man. The manic energy used to hunt down when Louis Guzman <laughs> Christ. This fucking long take. Like you talked about it earlier, but like having to do that combined with just unfiltered Nick Cage like no just ramble and also like don't step on your lines you know don't stutter like a fucking idiot like I do get it all out hit your blogs and also now you need to chase this man down an escalator and then go scream at this boxer because this movie is perfect yes it is everything about this movie is amazing (laughs) it's so fucking good Uh, but he just like he just starts stomping on all his drug vials after he robs him Oh yeah, that was it's so unnecessary. The scene where he's right outside the the boxer's hotel room, he one of the the like guards for the room like puts his hand on his arm. He's like, "You see your hand right there? 
That's a felony. And I'm just like, dude, you committed like 12 <laughs> of these already. <laughs> uh, also, it's uh, to, to, to speak to what you were just saying, Chris, mm-hmm. about this character's characterization, because there is one more thing I want yeah, to get yeah. there. Um, it's mentioned during the opening scene that this character has some level of political aspirations. And I think that's like a really crucial point when you're watching the scene where he's like coaching Gary Sinise about how to lie his way out of this situation because like it's the one level that this character's missing from the opening scene and like it's obviously intentionally not there because you can't show your whole hand at once because like this guy could just be an asshole who sucks at his job but this is like the level of like oh you're not only competent but also you're ambitious and you know exactly what you need to do to get your life from point A to point B and I think that makes this character so much more compelling because he's a fucking psycho but he's a fucking psycho in a way that works Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree the fact that like he's constantly there's so many other movies where you're just like alright this guy's gonna fuck everything up and you're just gonna watch this guy ruin his life but watching him do the delicate dance, like, no, no, I'll do this, and I'll go over here, and then I'll pay for this guy. I'll get the money from him, then I'll go put money on him, then I'll do this, and I'll do that, and then I'll somehow skate by, then I'll call my wife, I'll be home later. Now, let me call this girl. It's it's almost stressful watching him just wheel and deal for the first 20 minutes. Yeah. See, that's the thing, is, like, for this movie, I don't really feel like going uh, scene by scene. Uh, I also feel like it kind of it would give away a little too much. I, I think uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Snake Eyes, please do it. But I do want to wax poetic about this, uh, but not for much longer because uh, apparently I only have 15 minutes left of uh, hard drive space on my computer. Oh, uh, <laughs> Start deleting. I don't. Buddy. I did that, dude. I was. I, I saw like a notification come up, like, uh, "Hey, idiot, you have to delete some shit." And I tried that. And I don't have much space left. I think it's just like a C drive thing. It has something to do with uh, the browser. Anyway, uh, to to make things quick, yeah, it's good. Whatever. Uh, tune in next week's episode. No. Uh, there, there is uh, other stuff that I really like about this. Is is the the way that like like Parker said, like following the characters around, like oh he's going to do this and then he's going to do that, and you learn about why things are happening. And it turns out it's another one of the Israel Palestine uh, bullshit things going down. Which uh, again, as so many movies do, reminds me of you can't mess with the Zohan. Uh, <laughs> the only movie, uh, the only line in that movie that ever made me laugh, which was like, oh, the Israelis and the Palestinians, they've been fighting for uh, millennia. How much longer could they possibly do this? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, well, since we have to be brief, what would you like to bounce around to, my good friend? Oh, uh, well... I guess uh, I I did like the the climax uh, where a character who is a bad guy I don't want to give it away who is the bad guy uh, pulls a Bud Dwyer, <laughs> uh, which I, I can safely say uh, I didn't quite see that coming. Uh, I do like that they incorporate a, a hurricane for this. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I'm wondering if uh, maybe I could save hard drive space if I turn off my uh, camera. I don't know if that's the way computers work. Uh, eh, who knows? It's, it's worth a try. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, I, I assume we're we're going to just... If we're just like blasting everything out, the one thing that I really want to talk about now that you brought up that and the Bud Dwyer thing uh, is... Uh, did either of you watch the original ending of this on YouTube? Uh, no, I didn't know it was what? available. Isn't that the one with, like, uh, I think I read something in the trivia about this. It was originally going to be, like, uh, flooding. Yeah, so basically, you know, the whole thing's going on during a hurricane. So instead of, uh, 
So you don't get the scene where, like, you get caught up on Nick Cage's life. Uh, it's basically, like, the hurricane... You see the hurricane hitting Atlantic City, and, uh, and like, the, there's, like, a tidal wave that washes over the pier and stuff. And there's, like, this huge, like, uh, like special effects set piece of the room that, like, the final confrontation is going in, like, getting flooded. And basically the bad guy drowns and Nick Cage and the girl don't. Mm-hmm. And then it immediately cuts to the very last scene of the movie where Nick Cage is standing outside the casino while the name's changing and everything plays out from there as normal. But you don't get the scene where it's like, oh yeah, he's a hero. Oh wait, actually he's a bad guy. And seeing it that way, it's like, yeah, the one in the movie was kind of on the nose. I would have very much preferred this other one. Yeah, uh, yeah. One in the movie is real. Ties it up way too nice of... This hero cop who we all love and respect, hanging out with his beautiful son who still <laughs> loves him, but also he took bribes. Like, what are we? Come on, this yeah. movie's smarter than that. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Yeah. Well, I don't know whose decision that was. That like, that's probably like a production company sort of thing. Someone coming in well, there. I and mean, but like they they shot them. it. Yeah. Yeah. The, that's the weird thing. Like they paid for it and then decided they didn't want it. It like this is like I don't know. Maybe I don't a know test audience is... or something. I don't know. Maybe, but like, it kind of reminds me of like when they came out with the Watchmen movie and it changed away from the ending with the sea monster. Oh. And like, cowards. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think the sea monster thing would have been better, although I think less people would have understood yeah. it, which is also fine sometimes. But hey, uh, guess what, buddy? They don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's fair. Yeah, it just, it, it felt like, like, knowing that's out there, like, cheapened the ending of this movie a little bit for me, but, uh, yeah. you know, now that we've talked about the beginning and the end, we can go back to the Yeah, books. exactly. Well, that's the thing is, like, it, I mean, that's the thing that they say about, like, books and movies and TV shows and video games, too, is that what, if you're going to make them, make sure that the opening is really good and the closing is really good, because MP, you could just forget about whatever's in the middle. Uh, not that that's what I did or anything, but because there are certain parts in the middle that I, uh, that I quite like, and... My favorite parts of, uh, I mean, the beginning, the middle, and the end is just following around this character. Is I, I just like being with it because it's it's unique in the sense that like he's dirty in a fun way to watch. It's kind of like uh, my favorite character in uh, in Batman is uh, that was the fat detective who's always eating. <laughs> oh, your good friend Bullock. Yeah, yeah, my good, my close personal spiritual advisor Harvey <laughs> Bullock. <laughs> he feels like That's that, what- but like on coke instead of toothpicks. That's what made me rewatch Lord of War. I mean, first of all, because it had been two decades now almost. Yeah. But also, like, yeah, he's a bad guy, but in a fun way to watch. Because, like, he's a terrible person giving all of these arms to worse people. But it's Nick Cage. You know, he's doing his thing. A uh, little bit of a better person in this movie. Not responsible for nearly as many genocides, which is a plus. Yeah, it's, I mean, but yeah. If you're well, not one to spoil it, this is... That actually helps us for saving time because a lot of the middle of this movie, which is not a complaint, is seeing things unfold from different perspectives and each time learning more information about what was really happening. Mm -hmm. Which, man, that's when that works in a movie, oh, nothing better. Yeah. Nothing better than the like, okay, but here's the scene from this angle and here's a little bit more info. I am such a little piggy for that. Me too, yeah. It's kind of like the thing for like Memento, you know? It like sort of builds the movie in a really good way. I, I like the the fact that they uh, they orchestrate the idea of oh this boxer took a dive on uh, the fight payoff gambling debts and takes place in Atlantic City. That's a good time for an assassin to get a shot off. I was I was thinking about it and like I don't really have any problems here. You know, this is like just really working for me. 
I feel like Snake Eyes is unquestionably uh, the most underrated of Nick Cage's work, but he has a lot of underrated stuff in there. Unfortunately, I, I feel like it's it's almost weird to say that Nick Cage has underrated work at this point. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of his stuff is probably becoming overrated. I think there's a lot of... Oh. I have a feeling like someone's going to tell me, oh, have you never seen whatever Nick Cage thing? I'm going to watch it and be like, oh, God, this has been memed out of existence. That being said, I'm still going to watch Vampire's Kiss. Oh, yeah. It feels like the 90s oh, have absolutely. the opposite yeah. thing of, of the 80s where, like, with enough time, everything from the 80s is like, no, this was actually good. And, I mean, we're definitely a part of that. We've definitely yeah, discovered yeah, many things on here. I guess it's really... Boomstamon. But it feels like the opposite for the 90s. We're like, when that come out? 94. Eh, probably fucking sucks or someone would have told me to watch it by now. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, outside of, like, the big tentpole releases that, like, we all know from the 90s, they just don't get mentioned. No one talks about anything like this. It's great. It's by a great director, but it's like, yeah, but that was the one after Mission Impossible, so who fucking cares? It's, it's wrong. I, I feel like it's also a thing, like, because with us fucking horror losers, like, the entire 90s decade is just written off. It almost feels like it's that way across the board. It's like, what about action? Like, no, it's just shitty sequels to yeah. 80s franchises. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. It feels like... The entire decade of the 90s, outside of the bangers we all remember, is just kind of forgotten. Yeah. It's time for us to dig in and find some more trash, boys. Well. I do love trash. uh, Is it time for us to break Dawn? Oh, my God. Seems like it's about time for us to break Dawn. Yeah, there we go. Guys, what would you give to be at the boxing match in this movie? <laughs> I wanted to be I, there. So I want to sit bad. next to Nick Cage. That's the important thing. I could watch golf if I'm sitting next to Nick Cage in this movie, dude. I'd do it. Where he, where he stands up in front of the entire crowd and says, "I am the king," and they're just not even looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I really, really appreciate about this character is that all right. So you know, the guy that his best friend was supposed to be protecting gets assassinated and he's this hotshot cop he takes over the scene he's like i'm gonna get to the bottom of this don't worry guys and the first thing he does is goes to see if the match was rigged to see if his uh his <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. like <laughs> that, they, they play like a little dramatic is... music sting where he finds out <laughs> yeah because like you know they, sh- they show him like rewinding all of the the footage on the cameras you're like oh i bet he's gonna see the assassin it's like nope he's looking for the punch yeah. <laughs> He's literally just, he wants to go yell at this boxer about his money. And then when he goes to yell at the boxer about the money he lost, he embellishes how much he bet on yeah. it. So the guy has to pay him more. <laughs> like, it's just, it's it just it's little touches. Like, I, I really respect it. So, Parker, it. was this uh, a shoot or a work? Oh, buddy. <laughs> he really worked all of them into a shoot, let me tell you. <laughs> all right. This is also, like, it's similar to, like, his bad lieutenant character, which, again, it's like, He's an entertaining bad guy, but in here he's not as bad of a guy. Also, if you've not seen a bad lieutenant port of call New Orleans, oh, but oh, so that's good, in my dude. that's it's in my so future. fucking it's good. In my future, I gotta yeah, that, say that'd be a good double feature. All right. Well, in first, our double feature is going to be Twilight Breaking Dawn. Oh, you better clear up some space <laughs> next week. Yeah, I know. I'm just... <laughs> oh my god, that is gonna be a doozy. Yeah, I'm packing up an apartment right now and i'm so ready to clear out six hours to watch this shit (laughs) fuck yeah dude (laughs) (laughs) and that's the tea sis 